welcome to We Are History. I'm Angela Barnes. And I'm John O'Farrell. And John is still over there in the good old US of A. I am. It's oh, nine yeah. in the morning here, Angela. It's like doing the BBC radio van in your pyjamas, which I did do a few times. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> I wonder if this episode would be less sort of sweary and fewer knob gags because it's so early in the morning, you'll feel a bit weird. Maybe that's it. I'm just drinking tea. Um, so yeah. yes, I'm just uh, just because um, usually we're on the gin, aren't we? That's right. Normally in the afternoons, yeah. <laughs> so you've picked quite a relevant topic then for this week. Yes, John, be- considering where you are, because uh, I'm not in the US of A. I should say I'm I'm in a very cold and rainy Brighton. Even though I'm three thousand miles away, Angela, I've been uh, bought a VPN for my computer so I can watch British TV. And I've watched ah, you. Sneaky. I watched you on University Challenge smash it out of the park, Barnes. <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, you did I mean, so how well. How much easier did they make the questions no. than the normal? For anyone who doesn't know, I did University Challenge for children in need. Yeah. Uh, representing Team BBC. Even though, was, um, even though you know you yeah. are a little bit ITV, Angela. Mm. <laughs> that was it. I think I said that you on did, the program, did. didn't I? Did, yeah. it, did that make the edit? It did. Yeah. Yeah, because I yeah when I was little, one of my uh, friends who were from a sort of Slightly, let's say a slightly nouveau riche family. You know, they thought right. they were it, Th- but they weren't. Thought they were a bit better. Thought they were a bit better. And her mum said um, she wasn't sure about her coming to my house because we were a bit ITV. And there you are, getting all the <laughs> questions right on University Challenge for Team BBC. It was great. Half, I got one wrong, John, and oh. it's really bugging me. And wh- that, that AA, I said AA Mill instead of Dr. Seuss. Yeah, and... I buzzed in too early, interrupted. And Angela, there was one question you didn't get, uh, and it was oh, Chicken Run. That? And it's like your mate. Chicken I, I know. Oh my god, I forgot about. <laughs> but I, I Oh my god, I forgot that happened yeah. in the moment. I was like, oh, John O'Farrell's really? going to kill me. But you've got some really hard but ones. But again, if people don't know, John, wrote, did you no, write no, the original? No, I worked. No. I worked on the original. I didn't write it all. I wrote some stuff for the original Chicken Run, but I've just written Chicken Run two, co-written, That's co-written, right. yeah. yeah, with the original. Yeah. So, well done, Angela. I was very proud of you on behalf of We Are History. Uh, Thank you. Answering most of the questions, your BBC were bzz, bzz, BBC. <laughs> oh, it was so exciting when yeah. he says that. I love that bit. Like, oh, that's me. I did. A, I was on University <laughs> Challenge with the um, Exeter sort of uh, uh, celebrity inverted commas team, and the oh, yeah. f- first question I buzzed, and it was a history question, Angela, and I got it wrong. Oh, oh we're no. on minus. I interrupted. Can you remember what it was? It Is was. It, on your... it was. I'll tell you because I did okay. I mean, you, you see yeah. where I was coming from. Uh, so Jeremy Paxman goes, which drink uh, gets its name from the uh, name of the British Prime Minister during the Great Reform Act? And I went, I know this, Earl Grey. And oh. he goes, no, that's an incorrect interruption. A region of India that is, you know, Lapsong Sushong. So it was like the, yeah. the answer was tea. And I buzzed oh, just, oh, super enthusiastically. Well, not only did I buzz super enthusiastically and get minus five points for our team, yeah. but I gave the answer to the other side because they just sat there and listened to the rest of the question and go, yeah, obviously it's tea, not Earl Grey, O'Farrell, you idiot. But we sat there on minus five for about 20 minutes. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, that's so <laughs> Yeah. With the others just yeah, giving yeah. you the death yeah, stare. Yeah. <laughs> so history, I, my history was, you know, too enthusiastic or something. Oh, mate. It's, I, that's one thing I didn't know about University Challenge. Obviously, you know, they take it very seriously. It's a long-running thing. So they sort of take you into a room and debrief you on how it all works and everything. I didn't realise that you only got minus five points if you interrupted while they're still speaking. Yes. And then if you interrupt and get it wrong, you lose five points. And they, they said that's like their little sort of, yeah. that'll teach you for being rude yeah. and interrupting. <laughs> 
But we didn't have Jeremy Paxman either. We had Kirsty Walk host the Children in Need one because oh, I yeah. don't think I would have. No. I think I would have been intimidated by, if I'd been Paxman. I said to him, "Can I phone a friend?" That didn't go down very well. <laughs> <laughs> he went, "No, you may not." Just because he hasn't got any, he's jealous. Oh, anyway, anyway, back <laughs> anyway, to this history. I think we digressed somewhat. So, what are we talking about, John? Come on. Well, it's your topic. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we did Columbus. Uh, oh yes. And. Uh, because I'm still in America. I, yesterday was Thanksgiving in America. Ah, and I was invited yes. to my first ever family Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, I tried to take some traditional British food, like some, you know, doner kebabs or chicken tikka masala. Um, <laughs> but Thanksgiving, of course, celebrates um, when, or commemorates when the Pilgrim Fathers sat down to eat dinner and thank the harvest, be thankful for the harvest, you know, and they sat down with the Indians and said, by the way, we want the whole continent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, if you don't mind, yeah, we'll over. I think that's a Bill Bryson joke. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> so today we're, we're, we're not talking about that moment, are we? We're going a little bit more recently and we're going to talk about something from later in the Native American story, which is the Indian occupation of Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay. Yes. And John, you chose this, so you're leading on it, but I... I don't think I knew anything about this. That's fine. I don't think many people Before do, actually. Before you brought it up. No, uh, well, many years, this might be because as a teenager, uh, we went on holiday to America and I went to Alcatraz uh, Island in San Francisco Bay and it was a famous prison, Alcatraz, as people might We went think. to Pontins, sorry to say. <laughs> we went <laughs> to California. Very similar in many ways. <laughs> we went to California, Angela went to Pontins. It's, you know, they're very similar backgrounds. So, uh, so I went. Once Alcatraz, not a million miles away. <laughs> so I went to Alcatraz uh, when I was seventeen as a tourist, Angela. I wasn't banged Ooh. up there for running a drugs cartel. <laughs> um, and uh, all the talk at the, uh, from the guide at Alcatraz when I was this teenager was all about the famous inmates, the Al Capone and you know uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Then the, the the guy mentioned as an aside, and then during the eighteen month occupation by the Indians, and I was like, wait, what? The, 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 there was an occupation the of this now? prison island by the Indians. It's like. Uh, he didn't really talk about that at all, but I thought, oh, that's interesting. And back then, in the 70s, it was a very recent history. The Indians had only left eight, eight years earlier, and their graffiti was still visible on the water tower where they painted, this is free Indian land. Weirdly, now, it's been that graffiti has been repainted as part of the tourist attraction of Alcatraz. Um, so I just thought, off the back of the Columbus episode, I wanted to do something about the American Indian politics, and I just think this is a fascinating story. Will be the judge of that, John. But yeah, no, I think oh, pressure's I think on that. Right. I think you're right, and, and you know it's quite a thing, isn't it? Like you say, the tour guide takes you around, and it was just an aside. Yeah, really. yeah. It wasn't and when you say any you more, anything more than that, and when you say you haven't heard anything about it, I thought this was a bigger deal in the states than it was in England. But all the Americans I am uh, working with over here don't know anything about it either. So, right, so it's not just that it's not... Yeah, I mean, I think they, yeah. Native American people would know about it, but I don't think mainstream yeah. American, you know, uh, educated Americans particularly may not know about it. So, yeah. Wow. And should we say something, John, before we go on about the nomenclature that we're using, about the... Because the, you, you're using the word Indian, and I know that there's some sort of debate about what yeah. should... Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, back then... How back... you should refer to American Indians, Native Americans, yes. etc. Well, yeah, back then the protest was described as an Indian occupation. And then that is in obviously yeah. historically wrong and uh, perhaps insulting to call uh, Indigenous people Indians. It's all Columbus's fault, Angela. <laughs> yeah, still not accepting it as he's up in heaven saying, no, I'm not having it. I discovered a new route to India. Exactly. India, yeah, they are India Indian. So I thought that Native Americans was the correct uh, term, but apparently that's declining in use. And um, right. they uh, are comfortable with American Indians. 
is considered acceptable. Right, so, okay. I, so that's I, a sort of contemporary... So, so they often say Indians term. themselves. So if we abbreviate American Indians to Indians sometimes, please forgive us. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so we'll we'll try and say American Indians. Yeah. We might occasionally accidentally just say Indians or sometimes Native Americans because we might have been looking at books that say different things or whatever. But, so a little background. Yeah, as I, as I said in the Columbus episode, over 90%, I think 95% of the indigenous population of North America was wiped out uh, in the first century after Columbus landed. There was murder, displacement from hunting grounds. Many, many more died from smallpox and influenza. Can you imagine? Well, luckily, luckily, nothing like that could happen today, John, could it? Uh, no, Dying from something like flu. A pandemic could never happen now. But they, of course, had none of the immunities that we developed over millennia. Proud. Or vaccines yeah, or yeah, quite, any yeah. other systems to deal with but such things. We did, yeah. get, we did get syphilis off them. So there was that. Two-way trade. Two-way trade. So as the United States sort of spreads westwards yes the american indians are displaced they're persecuted they're pushed into reservations which is the worst land the land that's hardest to farm on to grow anything on yeah. where there's no hunting to be had yeah. it's basically nothing to do there except sink into poverty with no health care yeah. or yeah. food or yeah. you know well I just, anything really to sustain a community yeah i mean some of the on the, these this there was a sort of uh low level federal funding for this so they might have had a help a sort of a cheap health centre on the reservation and they might have had some uh, some minimal schooling. But there was this boarding school policy that the, the American uh, government had, which was to take children away from families and immerse them in European culture. So they were forbidden to speak their first languages or learn about their own culture. And that was all run by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Uh, which was... and, and just as a little aside there, I mean, this is about in Canada at the moment, obviously they're having to have a lot of reckoning about their past with these yeah. boarding schools for... Um, native children and yeah lots of um, well, awful things coming out about those places right now yeah, so yeah, yeah that's something yeah. that, that America and Canada USA and Canada are really having to uh, face up to yeah really, absolutely minute, yeah. what they did so on the reservations they got this a little bit of federal aid they did have health centres and schools but they were exempt from state laws they were essentially a sovereign nation still weren't sort they they were essentially yeah um, but, but well I think they were described as being wards with America as their guardian right, rather right. than being equal sovereign yes, states. Yes. But they weren't Americans. Right. Um so they could follow their own traditions as much as their own situation would allow, but it it was a sort of scandal scandalous situation. You got their life expectancy was low, the poverty was high, alcoholism was rife, you know, you have people yeah, with, with no means of employment, no yeah. industry, no... It was, you know, 80-90% unemployment, yeah. So we get to the uh, 1940s, 1950s. Yes. And, and bearing in mind that, you know, American Indians, Native Americans have fought during both yes, World Wars absolutely. for America. Yeah, in large numbers. So it was starting to be a bit embarrassing yeah. to the US government, the way that, that these people were being treated. Or the way they lived, um, so yeah. The US, yeah, and the way that they lived. So US government decided... Something must be done. Something must be done. So they came up with this lovely sounding policy, which was called the yes, the, isn't it? The Indian Termination Policy. Now, if I'm, <laughs> Angela, sure that filled them with hope. Yeah, Angela, uh, you know, if I'm an American Indian, I'm not sure I like the sound of this. It's like you yeah. think they might have given the gone to the trouble of giving it a more appealing name, the Indian yeah. Rights and Recognition Policy, or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or, hey, Indians, have some free money policy, but no, yeah. the Indian, Indian ter Termination, Indian Termination. But I, I mean, we should say the Termination. Doesn't no, apply to the Indians themselves. No, no, but it's, you know, it's to to the sort of termination of this idea of of the Indian 
it's having their own nationhood, yes, yes, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's about the termination of a different statehood for them, so that yes. they essentially become yes. Americans. So, I mean, the white Americans in government believe this termination policy was a progressive and positive solution for the Indians. In their sort of, you know, capitalist free market notion, the, the uh, Indians could now work their way up in American society and all become millionaires owning tech companies. Um, yes, can't we all? <laughs> can't we all? Yeah, and if you don't, you're just not working bloody exactly. hard enough. It was about assimilating yes. the, the Native Americans into mainstream society. Come and live in the cities where we can discriminate against you on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. God. So it was, it was for the first time and it was making them full citizens, which I don't think I knew it had taken that long, to be honest, to the sort of 40s, 50s yeah. for Native Americans to have the same rights and responsibilities as all other Americans. Yes, but, um, but, Angela. But, yeah, it would also close the reservations, which yes. means this federal funding that the reservations had towards things like healthcare and schools or whatever would end. And it meant that the Indians had to start paying tax and they would have to get health insurance. And they basically, so they're now at the bottom of the pile of urban America. They're at the same level as, yeah. as the poorest people in society. They haven't been assimilated into yeah, in society in a way that, you know. Orange, Orange County, California, yeah. and like, you know, sipping cocktails and sitting by the pool, is it? No. No, no. they're in shit housing. They're unemployed. And yeah massively depressed yes and so yeah unemployment was around 70 to 80 percent uh infant mortality was double the average for whites life expectancy was 15 to 20 years shorter which is uh pretty pretty shocking so a lot of these displaced american indians ended up in the san francisco area uh they reckon there might have been fifteen thousand. there might have been forty thousand indians there's no there was no data on it but that area by the 60s was becoming a highly politicized town the 1960s was also seeing the rise of the civil rights movement, the women's movement, the anti-war protests, of course. Plight of the American Indians not getting so noticed. And it's quite interesting, that, isn't it? Because, again, like even here, we're taught about a little bit about the civil rights movement. Not yeah. much, but um, we certainly know more about um, that movement and abolition of slavery and, and that movement than we do about yes the, the history of native americans well that's I why i thought this was interesting yeah. to uh, look at because you know the, they were the first americans on the continent and they you know had a terrible uh, experience but we don't get their history in the way that we get the history of rosa parks and martin luther king and selma march um you know and uh, perhaps because the civil rights movement was was more successful and got more traction you know than than the um the alcatraz occupation or whatever and maybe just visibly more brutal then, you know, I'm not saying that the that Native Americans weren't treated brutally, but maybe just visibly more, you know, lynchings and... Sure, and, and I think actually in terms Ku of... Ku Klux Klan and all of that was much more... Much more high profile, yeah. Demonstrative and, and you know, yeah, and visible. Yeah, and perhaps even in just pure numbers, there were more black people in America than there were Native Americans uh, because they tried to make slaves out of the Native Americans and it didn't really work, so they brought in millions of Africans and it's... Uh, we don't come out of this very well. No, no, the white man is not the hero of this story, <laughs> Sorry, no, I think it's no, fair to say, no. in any way, shape or form. So so the, the American Indians, you know, were not getting noticed in the 60s. There was an Indian joke uh, in the 1960s, which was, why were they spending all this money on the mission to put a white man on the moon and get him safely back again? They could have saved a fortune if they just put an Indian up there and told him to make his own way back. So that's, I mean, so that's you know, uh, you've been great. Thanks. Good night. Welcome yeah. to Indian. I, I wasn't Indian. open with it, John, but all right. <laughs> but, but, but it shows you yeah. how they felt about the American yeah. government attitude to them. It's like they, you know. Yeah, they knew what. It was, sort yeah, of, it was a sort of satire about the termination policy. Just, just we'll, yeah. we'll dump you in the town, leave you to it. 
and that's no good. You know, you've got if you're going to rip yeah. someone up from their homeland and their tribal sort of uh, mutual support system, you can't just go right off. You go go and get a job. You know, you've got to yeah, you've got to yeah. provide resources and, and training and, um, and support. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So, Angela, in the middle of San yes. Francisco Bay, Alcatraz Island. <laughs> Why is it called Alcatraz, John? What's that mean? It's and I've looked this up. It's uh, it was named by the Spanish and it means pelican. Alcatraz means pelican. Uh, yeah. Perhaps the first Spanish who landed there installed a pelican crossing. No one knows. Maybe it, that's it. That'll be it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rocky outcrop, no natural water source. It's twenty-two acres. It had become a sort of federal military base. Military prisoners were held there, uh, and then later a high security prison. Right. It was never inhabited. It was never because it was not. They think that really... they think the Native Americans might have camped there on fishing trips and things, but it was never a ho- ho- they don't think it was a home for tribal Indians or anything like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it had famous and, famous uh, prisoners, of course. Well, yeah. So yeah, Al Capone, George Machine Gun Kelly, um, Birdman of Alcatraz, Robert Franklin Stroud. Yes. Do you know what? I don't think um, he had any birds on Alcatraz. I read up about him because of this. And uh, his bird, his bird escapades were at his previous prison and um because he um uh, was making so much money about it or was just becoming getting so famous they just took him all his birds away and dumped him on alcatraz so it was the no bird man of alcatraz sadly oh poor, poor bird free bird free man of alcatraz, <laughs> alcatraz. Stroud, yeah bird, bird free not free yeah no yeah. Um, yeah. yeah i'm desperately trying to get to a little pun there but i'm, I'm, we'll I'm very it. tired we'll it. it's, not happening. it's not happening today <laughs> so but the prison was very expensive to run because uh, you had to take all the water out and everything, you know, and food and uh, cost much more per prisoner. So it was closed in 1963 by uh, uh, Robert Kennedy and it was declared surplus federal land. And hundreds of suggestions were submitted for its redevelopment. They thought maybe we should build a great big statue on it, like the Statue of Liberty, so that when you sailed oh, into yeah. San Francisco Harbour, you would see some, you know, uh, some amazing statue. Um, there was an uh, idea of a private residential mansion, some bond villain lair <laughs> where the top opens yeah, right. and, and a rocket shoots out <laughs> brilliant yeah that was oh they missed a trick yeah, they there, did, didn't, didn't they, they? yeah uh, <laughs> a nudist camp was suggested <gasps> no artist impressions on that submission sadly um <laughs> but one woman angela had a better yeah. idea than all of these and uh she was a lakota sioux activist by the name of belva cotia and when she heard the words surplus federal land well what happens when you hear that? You think of the Treaty of Fort Laramie, don't you? I do. 1868. Everyone knows the Treaty of Fort Laramie, 1868. I mean, we all went, but Angela and I went both straight there. <laughs> it's interesting because it's a treaty. So 1868 treaty between yeah. what were then the, the US government, Native American nations yeah. and, and America um, and that said that any federal land that, that was declared surplus yes. that the Americans didn't claim would be returned to the Sioux Nation yeah. would be returned to the Native Americans. So Belva's like, ah, well, if you don't want it, thanks very much. I think you'll find that's ours then. Yeah, and she went down to the library and read out, the, uh, got the terms of the treaty and read it all up. And uh, in some office, and you know, she confirmed that this is what the law said from this treaty that everyone had forgotten about. But in yeah. some office somewhere, some civil servant was getting a bollocking. He's like, why did you use that phrase, idiot? Why did <laughs> no, you call it, it sub? It's like, you, didn't you think of the Treaty of Fort Laramie? No, I never heard of it. Neither have <laughs> I. That's not the point. <laughs> so because of the wording they'd used, yeah. surplus land, yeah. that meant that they could lay claim to it. Yes. So March the 4th, 1964, a group of American Indians. Now, this isn't the occupation that this podcast is about. This is a previous sort of trip. So a group of American Indians 
not including Belva, obviously. Guys had taken taken it from here. Uh, yeah, it's all right, lady. You've had the idea. We'll take yeah, it from we'll, here. We've got Don't this. you worry. Don't you mess up your hair. You stay there. Yeah. We've, we've got this yeah. now. So about 40 of them, uh, more people, more reporters than Indians, it should be said. Um, they uh, they went to land on the island. They offered the federal government 47 cents an acre for the island, <laughs> which I thought was funny. It was just the we same. I should say that, Yeah. I mean, landing on the island wasn't an easy thing to do. Well, it's a bit, it reminded me a bit like um, of our Sealand episode, you know. Yes, sort yes. Of the trip to get there and, you know, they couldn't take supplies on board. It was quite a yeah, difficult place to get to. It's five miles, it's, to yeah, to. It it's five miles out there, yeah. Um, yeah. So they offered uh, 47 cents an acre for the island, which is the same that they had been offered for their reservations. So it was like a bit of like, oh, we're just offering you the a, same money. So that's less than $10 yeah, nice. for the whole island. So the Indians that landed included Virgil Standing Elk, Garfield's Spotted Elk, and Richard Mackenzie. Oh, come on, Richard. <laughs> Make a bit more effort, mate. Hey, come on, Richard. <laughs> the others sound amazing. Richard Mackenzie. Yeah, so this, as I say, this, is, this isn't the occupation uh, that's the subject of this episode, but it's the first, because yeah. this first occupation lasted four hours. I mean, you say occupation job before I've done, you know, school trips that lasted longer than four hours. That's it's a visit, isn't it? They just go <laughs> they, to the gift went... shop and then <laughs> visit. You didn't really. Well, it wasn't really an occupation, guys. If you just go to the island four hours later, you come back in. It's like, how's your weekend, Angela? You know, oh, I occupied <laughs> <Yeah>. Brighton Pier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really but... occupied it. Well, I walked to the end, bought some chips, sat on the bench, took a selfie, went home. <laughs> well, well back done. Out. What an occupation. <laughs> I think they made a sort of statement. It was a statement. We shouldn't under. It was a statement, and and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like going to Brighton Pier. They no. could get on Southern. Ra- Mind you, actually getting on Southern. <laughs> well, that's, Ra- that's, that's probably, probably harder. Let's more tricky than um, <laughs> yeah. getting a boat to Alcatraz, yeah. probably. But um, yeah, but they achieved their. But aims. They, they achieved. Yeah, yeah, they they got they got some attention. Yeah, they, um, very very. They got the headlines. They got the headlines like wacky Indians invade the rock. Oh, crazy red, oh, crazy God. redskins claim Alcatraz. So not not many hacks. Uh, in San Francisco, studying the fine print of the Treaty of Laramie or the Indian Relocation Act of 1956. No. So they began a legal claim to the island on the 27th of March, 1964. John's second birthday. I think we should, st- oh, we should make this clear. little John. Little two-year-old little... John. He's like, what's my... Oh. Oh, um, my mum and dad get me things for my two-year-old birthday. But they're going, wait, wait, what's this? The American <laughs> Indians have made a claim. <laughs> this is the main thing we're thinking about. Of course, the claim wasn't taken seriously and the island remained unused and debate continued about, you know, what we should do with this rocky island in the middle of the bay. Fast forward five years to October 1969 and there's a terrible fire at the San Francisco Indian Centre, which was devastating for the local Indian population because of its important uh, as their meeting place, their cultural centre. That cultural centre. Yeah, yeah. Where they can gather and, yeah. Education, legal support, um, you know, social interaction. And all yeah. That. Because of this, the Indians were running out of patience. And one of their leaders, Adam Fortunate Eagle, uh, planned an occupation on the 9th of November. Oh, that's that's my birthday, John. This, this story Except is really all about us. It. This is all about us, Except this podcast. I was, what, minus seven? Oh, you weren't even born. Uh, oh, little... The 9th of November. It's a historic, it's a historic podcast, day. But the, Schicksaltag is what the Germans call it, which means um, day of fate. Well, there we are. Because so many sort of, particularly in Germany, in Germany so many Wall, things have happened. Crystal Nugs. Berlin Wall, Crystal Nugs, a couple of Hitler's, uh, nuclear near misses. Hitler's uh, uh, Munich Putsch, I think, was on the 9th of November. Yep. And uh, the, yep. the birth of Angela Barnes, I think, is the thing. The they, birth of Angela Barnes, Barnes yeah. which I think you'll find. Yeah, it's is, right up there. Uh, right up there. Yeah. It's like, because that's when the, <laughs> when the Berlin Wall came down that I have a piece of at home. 
that you've always acknowledged. Oh, John. Yes, of course you do, John. Of course, it's a genuine piece of burly wool. I feel bad now taking the mickey out of you for that because I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but for our wedding, I bought Matt, my husband, cufflinks that were made of bits of burly sure wool. Sure they were. I'm sure so, those, those so weren't now I'm real. Just like, oh. Mine was from the time. Mine are definitely real. They've got bits of graffiti on and everything. So... <laughs> Uh, Do you know what we've done here, John? Yes. Don't you? We've 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 taken. I mean, we've we've taken a story about Native America. We are making it about us. I think, that, which is I think that's fair quite enough. A typically yeah, I, that is white what, European thing. Yeah, um, we're satirising the white colonials. <laughs> so on that faithful Sunday, um, a group of seventy-five activists gathered on the harbour in San Francisco, waiting for the five boats that had been arranged to take them to the island, where they would sail to this abandoned rock and claim it by right of discovery. They'd say they discovered Ooh. Alcatraz, which is like nice and satirical. In the way that Columbus discovered <laughs> exactly their homeland, America. Yeah. yeah. So on the dock, they're, they're on the dock of the Fisherman's Wharf uh, in San Francisco, in front of the cameras. Uh, Richard Oakes is their sort of effective leader. He's a sort of you know very articulate young activist, and the press sort of made him the leader. Really, he made this proclamation, which is rather poetic. And they said the first land that people will see as they sail through the Golden Gate Bridge would be free Indian land. Uh, to represent the whole continent that was once the free home of the Indian people. But now we're just going to be uh, stuck on this little rock, rock on the West Coast. That'll be the only bit that's free Indian land. So it's quite quite poetic, mm. I think. It's very sort of, yeah, an evocative and yeah. sort of emotional yeah. it's a, uh, proclamation, wasn't it? That might be a good place to uh, take a little break there. And um, yeah, then we'll find out what happens next after these words. I was going to say these words from our sponsors, but we don't know who they are. We might not want to associate with them. So from these words, from some random adverts that are going to come up that may or may not be something that we would af uh, affiliate ourselves Excellent. with. We have no idea. There we go. <laughs> okay. I think, I think that was slickly done, wasn't it? Very yeah, good. Welcome back to We Are History Pod, um, where we are talking about the Indian occupation of Alcatraz in 1969. Yeah. Uh, so we left this large crowd of Native Americans by the quayside at Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco on a cold November Sunday, waiting for five boats to turn up yes. to take them to Alcatraz. And Angela, in the tradition of prog progressive protests down the centuries, there was some sort of cock up and the boats never turned up. Oh, oh no! Who didn't order the boat? Who was supposed to order the boat? Yeah, exactly. Well, they we've went to the, the wrong flags, place. We've got we've the got TV the cameras. Food. We've got yeah. the tea bags. We've got the presser here. This, ah. Basically, all of history is like this, Angela. You know, they never show it in yeah. the movies, do they? It's like people standing around arguing about who made the rubbish arrangements. But uh, yeah. so it was the wrong day, or it was the wrong time, or something. So. Uh, Adam Fortunate Eagle managed to persuade a local owner of a two-masted yacht. It said in the in the notes, I said, oh, two masted not that's yacht, that's technically a catch. That's what John O'Farrell oh, goes. Oh, John's uh, a boatman. Oh, no, it's not a yacht. You see, a yacht. Oh, I think he'll oh, find that's that's a catch. A catch no, no one stood up and said this point at the time, which I think is probably just as well. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> My favourite people on Twitter, John, are the ones yeah. who start with their tweets with, actually, I think you're, you're fine. fine. Well, actually. I think you're fine. It's a catch. <laughs> so luckily John wasn't there. But uh, um, So this, uh, this guy, this owner of this two-masted yacht... Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he said, all right, I'll take you there, but I can't dock at Alcatraz. I'll just sail around it. So they got really close to this uh, island. And then five of the young Indians jumped over the side and swam to Alcatraz. This is November and San Francisco is not a hot place. Oh, my gosh. And they, yeah. they claimed it for the Indians of all tribes. So that's quite something as well, isn't it? To have this kind of umbrella. Yes. Um, oh, this was a new thing to say the Indians of all tribes. Um, very, yeah. There's been very little pan-Indian 
uh, activism in America because the, the 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 loss of each reservation happened to one tribe. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, there wasn't there yeah. was a year before I think there'd been some sort of uh, pan Indian organization, but that wasn't connected with this uh, occupation. Uh, these guys were yeah. young hotheads they'd actually timed their occupation for when their elders were away at an education conference because they they wanted to they didn't want to be stopped they didn't want to be dissuaded by the older ones and you yeah. know, sometimes you just need a few and it's a bit like the uh bristol bus boycott you sometimes you need a few young sort of hotheads to go oh sod it we're just going to do it and get yeah in. you aren't going to be too careful yeah. you aren't going to be too yeah. worried about consequences yeah. you are just going to go sod it yeah worry about it later because they're, so, and the, the tradition of indian sort of activism had always been turn the other cheek patience non-confrontation believe it or not uh yeah. and that wasn't getting them anywhere so these younger people like sod yeah. that we're jumping over and and of course because they've jumped from a boat and swum to alcatraz they're not exactly properly equipped to start an occupation so they've got no tents they've got no food they've got no cooking equipment not even a swiss army no knife, swiss army knife. nothing so you know, in the morning when the Coast Guard comes and says, oh, get off this island, they're sat there shivering in their wet clothes, going, oh, do we have to? Oh, oh, right then. oh okay, yeah, yeah. if you insist. I <laughs> okay, mean, if you yeah. insist, we'll get off. Because yeah. they couldn't stay, could they? As much as they, no, no, you know, no, they, they didn't have any supplies or anything. No, they were freezing cold. I mean, they swum in their wet clothes in the bay in November. They weren't even writing an article for The Guardian about cold water swimming. That's... <laughs> 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 but they got a bit more. Well, of those. I mean, could they not see the benefit? Yeah, I know. I mean, we all know see... it helps the circulation, the wellness, and the wellness, and me and my personal mindfulness <laughs> and other buzzwords. Yeah, they didn't do any of that. It was Mr. Trick, yeah. if, if I'm honest, Angela. I mean, they're... <laughs> <laughs> so they got a bit more organised, and then so a couple of weeks later, uh, I think on the 20th of November, 89 American Indians, including 30 women, six children, set out to occupy the island properly. So this time they've got supplies. They've got it all tents. worked out. But the, the Coast Guard yeah. are more onto this now. So they set up these blockades with their big, powerful boats compared to the little Indian boats. Uh, they prevented most of them getting through. Uh, so there's all this sort of manoeuvring and boats trying to cut each other up and sw- with all these Indians trying to get wow. through. It must have been quite a scene in the bay. Uh, but yeah. 14 of them did manage to get through. And there's a there was a on the, on the island itself there was just a lone caretaker called Glenn Dobson who was living on the island supposed to be looking after it and he sends out a radio message going Mayday Mayday the Indians have landed. Right. <laughs> Apparently, I, the thing I looked at uh, he was he claimed to them that's that he right. was like an eighth Cherokee um, Native American yeah, Cherokee. That's that's right. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Which tribe? I know. Yeah, it's like, well, so, a sort of annoying thing to say, isn't it? Oh, I'm actually yeah. a bit Indian myself. Yeah. Myself, um, speaking as someone John who herself. Is about an eighth native. Are you really? That's amazing. Um, an eighth. I am, the yeah, other side. It, well, a different rock, Angela, on the other side of the land. A different rock on, uh, yeah. Welcome exactly. to the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Come from away. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, right. yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, these were the... these were the, We couldn't do a whole podcast oh, without me mentioning these. It's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, as I say, these were the younger activists and they timed their occupation with their elders being away. They claimed the uh, island on behalf of the Indians of all tribes, like we said, because most of the Indian activism had been sort of uh, tribe by tribe. Next day, more Indians landed and others brought food and other supplies by canoe. Which, and they had to, because the Coast Guard was blocking the sort of de- the dock at Alcatraz, they had to go around the back and haul all their stuff up a rocky cliff face. So they didn't have a nice place to land and bring it all ashore. No, I mean, I mean Alcatraz no. has that, but the Coast Guard yeah, had blocked that that's off. Being yeah. Blocked by the, yeah, but they. They declared this island free Indian land. Uh, they weren't stealing it. They prepared to buy it off the US government for some beads and cloth. Oh, burn! burn. <laughs> Mic drop! Oh. And, then, bam, bam, bam. and then they created Take a Bureau that. of Caucasian Affairs. 
Oh, burn again. Oh, yes. Double burn. Love it. They were smashing Love it. it. They are smashing They're knocking this it gig. out of the park. Uh, yeah. It was brilliant. And they, 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 they obviously had good PR people. Do you know what I mean? They, they were their own good PR. Yeah, I think yeah. They, they, they said, oh, it's going to be perfect for an Indian homeland because it's got no water. Nothing can grow there. There's no wildlife. There's no means of sustaining a living. And, you know, that's what we're used to from our reservations. So <laughs> it's perfect. It's yeah. obvious. Yeah. Um, and, and there was obviously something symbolic about the island having a prison. Yeah, it, exactly. You know, right on the opposite edge of the continent from where the Europeans had landed. Yeah. And the Indians had been pushed further and further west until all that's left of them was a rocky prison island on the west coast. Exactly. What a symbol. It was what a fantastic a symbol. It was metaphor. really poetic. It's almost uh, politics as performance art, really. It's like a sort of... Yeah. Uh, um, as you say, symbolic protest. They, well, you obviously couldn't sustain uh, a life on Alcatraz, but they were just going to live here and make their point. Uh, and they were actually demanding what they demand. They wanted an Indian cultural centre and a university for Indians, and for the land to be actually be granted to them. And so this is November, uh, and on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, hundreds of supporters made their way to Alcatraz and celebrate their occupation. There were 400 on the island and San Francisco restaurant supplied food for everyone and it was getting loads of publicity and everyone's going, good on you guys, this is amazing. And, and we should say, there's a backdrop of, you know, Vietnam and lots of other kind of, we said before, civil rights protests yeah. and, and other things, you know, that are going on at the time. There's, there's a, an activism in the air, isn't absolutely. there? Absolutely. Particularly in California and San Francisco. Absolutely. And, and so they, they're getting the support from those and, and, people. And the, and the Longshoremen's Union uh, on the on the uh, seafront at San Francisco supported them. And there was a pier on the mainland given over to supplying them and people could make donations. And, you know, the occupation captured people's imagination. Yeah, you have Radio Free Alcatraz. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah no, they, they were, broadcasting and they, yeah. Yeah, and lots of uh, uh, celebrities uh, visited to show their support. Jane Fonda, Anthony Quinn, Marlon Brando, you know. Um, he's a consistent supporter of Native American rights. He was, yeah, When yeah. he won the Oscar in 1973, he sent up um, Native American actress Sasheen Littlefeather yeah. to reject the award in protest on his behalf. Yes. So he's been a sort of yes. you know, consistent ally for Native American rights. Um, although she later said that that destroyed her own acting career because so I suppose yeah you're then the symbol of someone else's career aren't you you're, exactly you're sort of what he actually did was made a symbol of his career I know that is like he might need um, to have thought it through a bit more yeah 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 but you know but um, just as a slight diversion here when one of my books some of my books were published in the United States I had an American uh, editor who was Native American and his he was named after Marlon Brando by his dad because they were so grateful to Brando for uh, all his support my editor in America's name was his name was Brando Skyhorse. Isn't that brilliant? They know how to do don't names, they, don't, don't they? they? Uh, but he's now an established writer in his own right. I've looked him up on the internet. And he discovered, his first book is about how he discovered he wasn't Native American after all. His mum had made this all up just to, oh, really? just to avoid being another single of... parent Mexican immigrant mum. So, but oh, um, wow. anyway, you don't forget a name like Brando Skyhorse. Lovely chap. Must read one. Must must actually read one of his books one of these days. I haven't spoken to him for twenty years. But uh, yeah, so so great support from celebrities like Marlon Brando, um, Jane Fonda, and all those, and the and then the and the rock band uh, Credence Clearwater Revival, uh, who are a local band, 
despite their sort of southern sort of sound. Bad Moon Rising, that's them. I've Proud that Mary. Goes. I was just going to say, I've got a little Bad Moon Rising yeah. earworm yeah, now yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah. Thanks, Proud Mary, keep on rolling. Um, so they organised a, a water barge uh, for them. for the And then they spent like a fortune on this barge, which was going to uh, mean that they wouldn't have to just collect rainwater. And of course, called it the Clearwater. Yes. Clear, which, uh, it's yeah, quite, Clearwater. Sort of, sort of poetic See what you're doing there. Yeah. Yeah. And they moored it along yeah. the island and it meant they didn't have to, uh, yeah, they, they, that gave them some long-term sort of security uh there was actually a water tower on the island they covered it in graffiti saying lots of positive things like peace and freedom and then there's one bit of graffiti that said custer had it coming there's always one bloke on the demo isn't there just (laughs) goes that little bit too far we're trying to win mainstream opinion over here mate just turn it turn it down a bit bit. yeah i know i know what we're all thinking it but you don't have to say it right now in front of the white media Yeah. yeah, just calm it. Calm it down, mate. There was one activist who was at this press conference um, who gave his name as Atha White Man Killer. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> so what are you exactly are your aims and objectives, Mr. White Man Killer? <laughs> so, so the, uh, so the, the, you know, the occupation continued, um, and um, I should say, you know, they had set it up so there was a, a school there. There's women running a school. They managed to get it accredited so children wouldn't have to retake a year of their education. Like you say, there was a Radio Free Alcatraz. They published a newsletter. Um, uh, and it captured the imagination of uh, the alternative culture scene in San Francisco. But this isn't necessarily a good thing, Angela. Yeah, because there's sort of associations, aren't there, with yeah. that scene, yeah. with the filthy hippies. Well, the hippies, um, the hippies turned you up. You know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And when the hippies turn up, yep. soda, drugs and alcohol yep, and yep. dropouts yep. And, and maybe slightly negative ways of being portrayed in the media that they could have done without. Exactly. Really. I mean, apart from the fact that alcoholism was perceived as a problem in the Native American society, which it probably was actually, um, in the same way that it is in um, uh, Aboriginal Australia. It's, you know, it's, it's, you, there's no sort of genetic predisposition to it. They've had over thousands and thousands of years of being used to drinking beer like the Tudors did. So they are, I think, more prone to alcoholism. So they banned, they had banned alcohol on the island. Then all the white hippies turn up and say, yeah, we got beer. We got beer. And we, yeah, we got some cliff. Tw- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, guys. Um, so I, this was a, I found this the most depressing thing of all, actually. It's reminded me of the, we're back to the Bristol, uh, Bristol again. But you remember when they t- toppled the statue, the racist statue of the slaver in Bristol, there was a guy with white dreadlocks right at the front. And it's like, mate, get out of the way and just let the black people topple the statue of the slaver. It's not your, yeah, this isn't your show, you. mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's what I felt about these hippies. They're like, we're going to come and just like be, uh, have a really chill scene on the, yeah, so cool, the Indians are taking over the island. Let's do some drugs. Um, so this is a bit of a problem. It created tension on the island and it's sort of like, white, again, white people taking over a, 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 a American yeah. Indian scene. We just can't help ourselves. We can't, can we? Can't, can't we? help ourselves. But they, someone over there is getting some attention. Yeah, I love some of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So eventually the non-Indians were prohibited from staying overnight, but things had started to go wrong for the occupiers. Um, on, on January... The, and it's, but, you yeah, know, they've been there a few months. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They've been there a while. You know, this isn't all taking place over a week. No, no, it's, so it's we're now ni- in January. We're in 1970 so now. Yeah. And um, yeah. uh, uh, Richard Oakes, I said, was the leader and he was the press spokesman. But... He, uh, the daughter of his partner, 13-year-old uh, Annie, and his, his stepdaughter, she fell to her death on the island. And that was a very tragic moment for them all. And they decided they could not, they were too sad to stay on the island and they left. They didn't have the heart yeah, for Well, you would, you wouldn't you? If your daughter's yeah. just died in this, the protest one thing, but yeah. By May, the government had cut off all the electrical power to the island and all the telephone service to the island. And then, uh, and then in June, a fire, no one knows how this fire started, but it uh, destroyed 
buildings on the island, the Warden's House, and there was a lighthouse on it, a federal lighthouse that was important in San Francisco Bay. Um, yeah, so, for the shipping. I mean, I should say when this first happened, this occupation, there was a, it went right to, you know, Nixon's office. And it was like, should we send in the sort of uh, state troopers to, you know, get them all off with uh, guns? And it was a peaceful occupation. The Indians didn't have guns. But there was a, there were, the, the local sort of law enforcement were like, we're going to get them off there, sir, with guns and batons and stuff. And it was, uh, uh, the White House was going, no, no, just, just sit this one out. Let's just, you know, let's not create violent scenes on the media. We don't want that. Um, yeah. So they sort of, did it this uh, uh, softly, softly way of cutting off their power, stopping the food getting there, you know, all that. But yeah. when two oil tankers crashed into each other in San Francisco Bay, the authorities were able to point to the loss of the lighthouse in the fire and say, you know, you've got to have a functioning lighthouse on Alcatraz Island. It was actually although that wasn't why the oil tankers it wasn't crashed. it wasn't, they but could, it was a, they it, could use it as a they did. Yeah. It's actually the very first lighthouse on the whole west coast of America. That lighthouse, but and it was all burned wow. down now. This started to turn public opinion against the occupation. People are getting a bit bored with it, to be honest, and going, oh well, if they're not letting the lighthouse use, you know, so they're without yeah. power, without fresh water. Uh, they carried on for another year in small numbers. Uh, but diminishing public support and sympathy, and um, it was just a, there were just 15 people left on the island in 1971, and a large force of government officers just turned up with with, with weapons, I think, and removed the 15 people from the island. 15 yeah. people aren't that hard to yeah, move, quite, are they? Quite, As, quite. And um, you know they've been there for 19 months, so it's yeah. a long old stint on yeah. Alcatraz, and thousands of Native Americans have spent time on the island. Yeah. You know, they sort of, it wasn't the same people all the time. They would yeah. swap and change yeah. and people would come and go. But now the, the time on the island's over. So, the, you know, the Indians were no longer in occupation of Alcatraz and they'd not been granted their demands. But I th- in reality, I think the occupation was about consciousness raising and agenda setting. In that sense, it had been a huge success and an inspiration to Native Americans across the whole country. Um, yeah. Like I said, the sort of yeah. Montgomery bus boycott of Indian activism. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, sort of performance art politics and, and hats off to them. Postscript um, Richard Oakes was shot dead in 1972 when confronting a white supremacist. Oakes was unarmed and the murderer was acquitted, citing self defense. That sounds familiar. Oh, well, that it? could never happen no, today, could it, I know. John? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, but, an unarmed man gets shot yeah. by a white man. Yeah. But Nixon did officially end the termination policy. Uh, Indian reservations were saved by the uh, uh, raised profile of Indian grievances, brought about by Alcatraz, really. Yeah. It feels like there should at least be a film about it, you know? Yeah. Or, 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 or maybe, John, a musical. <laughs> I mean, who do we know who can write a musical? I think a white man should get all the money for this. Yeah, I think that yeah, would be fair. Definitely should be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. good point. I have to say, yeah, I, don't, don't write the musical, John. <laughs> as well as reading the book, I watched the whole documentary about it and it had a lot of traditional Indian music in it. Now, you know, there's a big cultural gap between Europeans and in Native American culture. And I just, the stuff I listen to, I mean, I'll say, good, I like the drums. I like the drums, but the singing. John, I mean, just, John, you've never been so white in your life as you are right no now. It's no ABBA, Angela. I'm just saying that. In, Indian <laughs> oh, music, it's no mellow magic. I well, I well, I tweeted something the other day about being in a taxi, didn't I? Yeah. They were playing Magic FM, and John replied something about it's how it's a bit hardcore for you. Yeah, yeah, mellow magic. Said, Don't worry, is more... it's mellow magic. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. So, yeah, no. So uh, if I do do, if we do write a musical about it, it'll have to. Have, it'll be hard. You know, people go, "Well, you've got to use traditional Indian music." Yeah, how are ticket sales going with that, mate? <laughs> so the book I read for this, and oh. um, yeah, was the American occupation of Alcatraz Island. Red Power and Self-Determination by Troy R. Johnson. Can I just read you the dedication to this? 
Yeah. This book is dedicated too. to my wife, Laureen, who patiently waited as I completed my PhD and the research and writing of this book. Yes, dear, it's finally done. <laughs> <laughs> a bit passive. It's a bit, pa- bit It's a history of passive aggression. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, dear. It's finally, finally done. done. Yes, yes. <laughs> But I think, you know, maybe it uh, feels a bit different. I think I'm sure he's Native American. I'm sure it feels a bit different uh, in uh, in his language. But um, it was um, an amazing little sort of backwater of history. But, you know, a great sort of uh, poetic protest. We should uh, raise a non-alcoholic drink to the Native Americans yes. and say, well Absolutely. done. For, and for, and of for course, your struggle, courage you know, and fortitude. not over oh, for Native I, Americans. They, you know, I, there's no so sense. much going on at the moment with, um, yeah. you know, pipeline protests and all sorts of things yeah, yeah, yeah. going on so um yeah so but yeah maybe we should we should uh, educate ourselves a bit more well that's that. that's the purpose of this podcast is to try and sell, get people to go yeah, listen to john langela they're the, they're the authorities on native american history <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> this 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 research took me a long time angela and uh, yes dear it's finally over <laughs> and on that note oh, i think that's it for this week uh, um, thanks for listening everyone do- do follow us on Twitter at We Are History Pod. Yes. Um, now, John, are you going to um, try and, and not release too many podcasts at once? It's, oh God, I'm sorry, should... everyone. It's like this. The... John got a bit trigger happy with the podcast. The, yeah, the, so I did. We did one on the release for the correct Monday, and then on Tuesday we got it from we got the edit down from Spike, our producer. I said, oh, I can set that up for next Monday. So I loaded it up onto the new interface that they cast have, and it's like, oh, I don't, I can't navigate my way around this. So I load it up, and then I set the date. And loading it up, it was already on now. So it was like, oh my god, I can't get. It's already being downloaded onto everyone's iPhones. Yeah, pull it back, pull it back. Stop the internet. Can I suck it back up? Stop the internet, everyone. Oh, yeah, honestly, like watching my granddad trying to program a Betamax. It's wonderful. I laugh. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me for that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, (laughs) this one will hopefully go out on the right day, and um, uh, they'll they'll be weekly up until sort of week before Christmas, hopefully, and then we'll take another break. And uh, then we'll take a little Christmas break when we're back in the new year. But there's a couple more before that. Excellent. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.